Hi, welcome to the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Griffin. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and executive coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies and actionable steps to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence, and develop your career well-being. Ready? Let's do it. Hey, this is The Career Refresh, and I'm your host, Jill Griffin. This week, I welcome Dr. Steve Iacovelli. He is the author of the award-winning book, Pride Leadership. Strategies for the LGBTQ plus leader to be the king or queen of their jungle. Dr. Iacovelli is a rare breed professional, and you are going to hear that throughout this interview. I've also, we've, we did this interview live and recorded on video, so I'm also dropping the link to that on YouTube if you'd like to watch it there. You'll see the link in the show notes. So Dr. Iacovelli understands the power of bringing academic theory and applying it to a corporate setting so that we can achieve business results. He is the owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group, a consulting firm located in Orlando, Florida. He brings over 25 years experience in leadership, strategy, organizational learning and development, change management, and diversity and inclusion to fortune greats like the Walt Disney Company, Bayer AG, and to nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the American Library Association, plus universities like the Ohio State University, the University of Central Florida. He also works with entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses too. He lovingly refers to himself as the gay leadership dude, and I love that. And he's on a mission to create more inclusive workplaces. And this episode, we talk about the six competencies of inclusive and effective leadership, how to maintain authenticity in a viral and virtual environment, and what to do immediately today to create more inclusive workplaces. And we talk about real life examples. We also round out with what leaders and learning development professionals can do right now to bring in someone like Steve into their organization so that we are doing the training that is needed and creating more inclusive workplaces. So dig in. And as always, you know, you can email me hello at jillgriffincoaching.com if you have any questions, if you have follow-up questions for Dr. Iacovelli. This is a really great episode and one that I kind of think should be made mandatory through learning and development departments for leaders everywhere. Again, dig in. I know you're going to enjoy it. And as always, have a great week and here's to possibility. Hey, Steve, it is so good to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm excited to be here. Good. All right, let's get into it. I always love to ask all of my guests to take me back, take me way back and tell me what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, it's it's a great question because the first thing that pops into my head was a pizza maker. 
Um, oh. you know, <laughs> as a really, really little <laughs> kid, I want to be a pizza maker because I remember, you know, going up outside of Philadelphia and we'd go to the local pizza shop and they're throwing the dough up. And I'm like, that's so cool. But obviously that that wasn't what I ended right. up doing in career. Um, but I actually used to play school with my sister. And um, and you know, we used to sit down and I'd, I I mean, as a little eight or ten of kid, I should have known something was up, but I um you know would make attendance sheets and I'd check in the, the the invisible students and her and I would play school all the time. And and you know, flash forward to you know what I do now basically. Basically, I am an educator, just not in the K through 12 kind of arena that I expected to be. Yeah. Okay. So as our listeners will hear more, you'll see how that thread pulls through. It's it's great. So I know that you have a mission of making the workplace more diverse and inclusive and really encouraging people to live their authentic selves and to be their authentic selves in the workplace. So tell people like, what does that mean for someone who's listening today? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, that I, I'm so excited as another running thread through my career is having fallen into kind of the the um, the immersion or the intersection or you know the smashing together or whatever of both leadership as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's kind of been a thread since really I was at Disney many many years ago. And um, you know, there's so many different ways to think about inclusive leadership. Um, but one of the things that that I wrote in my last book, uh, Pride Leadership, which we could chat about in a bit, was um, as I started looking at leaders and, and you know, we do work at Top Dog Learning Group, my business, we do work with um, a lot of Fortune 500s, large not-for-profits, both in the US, Canada, as well as a, a, around uh, the world. And um, you start seeing patterns of behavior on what works and what doesn't. And that's kind of what led me to start to think about what are the big competencies that really contribute to inclusive, effective leadership. And, and I, I brought up these six. If you're not watching on the YouTube, I'll, I'll kind of read them to you. It's um, you know authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture. And mm. every leader I've worked with, these are the ones that if they're using these, they're rocking and rolling. And the ones who aren't, rocking and rolling and crashing and burning aren't doing these six things. And so, um, you know, authenticity is not by accident the first one. And you talk to the folks like Brene Brown and some other great leadership folks out there, they're, they're been saying this, you know, authenticity is leadership power. And you know, it's truth. I mean, when you look at what is the most effective way a leader can impact those around them, it's building trust, period. You know, I I was on a, another uh, interview several years ago, and it was right after Pride Leadership came out, and, and the, the person said, do you have the secret to leadership? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, do you <laughs> want to know it? Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you exactly, Jill. And, um, and I said, you know, I should could have taken my 356-page book or whatever it is and written one word on one page, which isn't very marketable anyway, but it's, it's trust. And, and really, anything that a leader does, when they're authentic people, People know that and they're going to trust you when you're not authentic. People will know and they won't trust you. And so yeah. it, you know, authenticity is not just the way to, to garner trust and build relationships with those around you, but it feels a heck of a lot better if you bring your authentic self to the workplace and you don't have to hide things or change pronouns of who you hang out with in the weekend or, you know, whatever is, is the non-authentic thing you want to bring forth. It just makes better business sense. Yeah. So tell me, um, because I know, you know, and you and I getting to know each other, you mentioned how you've been doing distance learning or virtual teaching for a very long time. Now, we have just come out of, you know, an insane few years with some of us, like you and I have worked remote for years, but but other people, it was a new concept. (laughs) So one of the things that I often hear from both clients and leaders that come to me is the 
the nature of video or not being together really impacts their authenticity. And I found that super interesting because I have not experienced that personally. Um, But I'd love to hear your take on how would you tell a leader who maybe only is operating with their team through video to maintain their authentic nature of their leadership style. It is such an important topic now. And, and you know, I was just working with a client. I did a keynote earlier this week and um, it was on change management. And, and so I we do courses on, um, we do things on leadership, change management and diversity, equity, inclusion at Top Dog. And so this was on the in the change management resiliency part. And that was one of the things they wanted to talk about was, you know, how how can we be resilient in this new hybrid world? And, you know, the one thing I'm a, as you get to know me, Joel, you'll probably know this. I'm a glass half full kind of person. So, um, you know, when, when COVID hit, uh, obviously not fun for pretty much all of us. Um, but I was looking for the opportunities. And as I was working with my coaches and my, my client partners and stuff, and, and, you know, the idea of like, well, I just feel like I'm a little square, like the Brady Bunch dating myself, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm like, but no, you can you can use that to your advantage. And, and I'm not doing it right now. If you're watching the video, I have my little green screen and my thing. But um, this is actually what is behind my green screen. I took a picture of what's behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you're looking, it, it's, it's just like a, a slightly you know, out of focus, but it's my office. Mm-hmm. And I've told people that, you know, use the the stuff behind you to leverage your authenticity and to share what that looks like. And so, you know, not saying like, you know, make it fake and stage it. No, but, you know, really think about it. I mean, you can see over here is the logo for the gay leadership dude. That's my, my personal brand. That's not by accident. And people say like, Hey, what's that rainbow flag behind you? Oh, let me tell you, blah, blah, blah. And I think like, that's some of the small ways that we can build authenticity through this virtual space Mm -hmm. is like, like, look behind you. You have some really cool things. I want to ask you like, why the Wizard of Oz quote back there, Jill. And so it can be a cool way to get to know each other you know, on that consistent you know, virtual stage. Um, so I think it will it ever replace the in-person? Oh, hell no. I mean, right. that was literally, um, you might, as, as you said, my doctorate's in instructional technology and distance education. So doing this kind of stuff before it was cool. And I remember the first day of the first class, my professor said, you, your job as distance educators is to get as close to the in-person experience. You will never meet it, but get as close as you can to do it. And I, I, I thought that was always a cool thing. Flash forward to 2023 or whatever, and it's still true. You know, you're not going to beat that in person, but our job as leaders is to get as close as we can. So t- turn on those darn cameras, yeah. make your lighting look good, yeah. uh, have a good microphone, know what you're wearing. Don't angle the the, the camera up your nose so it looks like a ceiling fan. <laughs> as a halo going around your head. Like those are little things, but they they can impact the experience. I was just talking recently, like you would be surprised in how many unmade beds I've seen. We're like, I'm like, I get that we all, like I'm a New Yorker, right? I have a small apartment. My camera is angled accordingly. I'm not in my New York City apartment right now. (laughs) Face, right? (laughs) But, But, you know, you're in a particular situation. Like I get it. We might need to see your bed. Yeah. Can we make it? Like, it's so funny to me what people put on your camera, see what people see in the frame. And that also, not only does it protect some of your privacy, but it also enables you to feel comfortable where you're not now on the call going, oh my God, does everyone see that? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you're distracted and then you're coming off weird. Yeah. I didn't hire someone because their bed wasn't made. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not kidding. It's 100% true. Um, also, the bed wasn't made and then someone got out of the bed <gasps> <looked> at the <laughs> camera 
and then walked away and you could hear them in the bathroom right behind where the person was. I was like, oh, oh my, my God, that that meets my um, a woman had her bra hanging on the side of her back. <laughs> nice. <like>, oh, sweet. <laughs> The little anyway, things. we digress. <laughs> um, take us through the remaining five attributes and yes. characteristics. Yes. So we talked about uh, the concept of authenticity. So um, courage, leadership courage, you know, having the um, ability to have those harder conversations, to address those problems, to, um, especially if you're in a bigger organization or enterprise, you know, they, oh, we've always done it this way. You know, being able to poke holes in that and say, well, why? Um, having empathy. I mean, empathy is a massive thing. And, and Prior to maybe about 15, 20 years ago, uh, in most organizations, most workplaces, emotions were supposed to be left at the door. And that's obviously not true. And and so smart leaders are empathetic leaders, and they're in tune with both their own emotions as well as those um, around them. Effective communication is kind of a, a standard. It's always been there. But, sure. but I think more so thinking through communication through your own biases. Um, we all have our preferred channels. So what is the channel that actually will better connect with the person I'm trying to communicate with versus the one that I like to do the best? You know, I like email. Boop, boop, boop. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the best mm-hmm. one. And then building relationships, of course. Um, that's how business gets done. But really being mindful of the relationships and going back to your, your uh, folks who are, are via distance or hybrid – what are the different strategies you need to use to build those relationships in an asynchronous or synchronous, but be a distance sort of way. And then finally shaping culture. Um, I'm a big fan of inclusive cultures. That's one of the big things we do with our client partners is help them create a more inclusive workplace. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Big and small. What can I do to kind of shape that culture the way we want it to be? I love it. I love it. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. What is something, you know, our leader, our listeners who are leaders, they're managing teams either in a face-to-face situation or they're potentially in a hybrid situation. Um, what can they do like right now or, yeah. you know, after they talk to HR and whoever else they need to talk to, <laughs> right? Right. what can they do to start immediately creating a more inclusive culture? I love that you asked that, Jill. And, and for those watching or listening, we did not plan this, but I it's this is literally my keynote speech <laughs> I do all the time. Oh, look like at that. <laughs> so and, yeah, so it's already planned. But uh, no, this is actually it, it, when I wrote Pride Leadership, this one of the first chapters was how do you create an inclusive workplace? And then it goes through the, the each of the six leadership competencies that we talked about. But I kind of boil it down into a three-pronged strategy that any leader, and in my definition, um, you know, leader is all y'all, as we say here in the South in the US. Um, but you know, every person has influence and, and leadership is about influence. So I can be an individual contributor and mm-hmm. still be a leader within my workplace. And so, you know, if you're listening or, or watching and you're like, oh, leader isn't me, I don't have direct report, shenanigans. Everyone's a leader in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So every leader can can do three strategies. They can think in, speak up, and act out in order to create a more inclusive workplace. So think in is, you know, get your own house in order first. <laughs> kind of look inward. Um, a lot of think in, if I'm going to be create an inclusive workplace, it's knowing what unconscious biases I might have. Yes. Um, and and the, the words and actions that I might say that could be exclusionary to some people within my workplace. And so if you Google um, Project Implicit, um, there's free assessments online, but it's really starting to, to think about your own unconscious biases and how they play out in your leadership self. So that's kind of the think in. The speak up is kind of looking at the folks around you and and what am I doing to my immediate team and those who I I kind of have more frequent interactions with uh, to create a space that's inclusive. And and I'll tell you a quick story, Joe, if I can. Um, I was in Atlanta and 
I was there with one of my top doggers, which is what I call my consultants, and um, 38 other folks in the room from the client side. And this was kind of like a, yay, we're done our project. Woohoo! So it was a very jovial, celebratory, everyone's excited. And we're just about to start the meeting. And at the head of the this uh, tra- the conference room table uh, is the senior executive who like, sp- sponsored the project, signed my checks, literally. Um, and, and he, his gender is important in the story. So he's there talking to somebody. The voices start dying down. And you, you hear that senior executive go, well, you know how all women drive. Oh. Yeah, right? Oh. Your, your, your reaction was pretty much everyone in the room was like, what? Like, Dude, but no tell one, me. No one said a word, but we just kind of looked at the head of the table where that senior executive was sitting. Now, at that exact moment, by no one saying a word, talking about speak up, we were all engaging in silent collusion. We were silently supporting that stupid statement that that executive said. And if you want to be an inclusive leader, you need to not do that. You need to not engage in silent collusion as one of the main ways to look at the speak up area. So uh, one of the things that we do, and we all, we'll put this in the show notes too. Um, so I developed a, a little six six strategies to help you beat silent collusion in that exact moment. Okay. Um, and, and so, and do you have because dogs? you know, people who are listening right now are going, oh. well, Steve, you're the consultant. You could have said something, but my right. job is going to be on the line. So right. what do you say to that person? 100%. And that's true. But, you know, also, and I was about to say something and my top dogger, Lori, kicked me on the table and she just said, <laughs> And I love that. And I'll tell you the reason why in a few moments. But um, but no, I mean, even me as an external consultant, if I wanted another gig, another six-figure gig yeah, with this client, could I say to you? Yeah. So so that's where MopSam came in. And, and MopSam is the six strategies that, that you can use and put them in your back pocket when you hear one of those disparaging comments. And so I won't go into all six, um, but it, basically the whole gist of MopSam is, um, do you have dogs, Jill, by chance? I do. Okay. What kind of dog do you have? Um, she is half Chihuahua, half Poodle, okay. little little mutt. Oh, that's cool! She's I, under I, my I, desk right now. Yeah, I, I, my dog is in the back, mini Labradoodle. But have you heard of a Hungarian pulley mop? Oh yeah, 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 of course. They, they look like in, they have I dreadlocks. I yeah, yeah. For a year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They look like they have dreadlocks, and if you yep. put like a, a, attach a little stick to the back, you can mop your floor. Yep. So um, I, I put a, a picture of a Hungarian pulley mop on this on the screen or in the training, and I say this is Sam, and Sam's a Hungarian pool mop or, or a um, mop dog for short. So if you take his name and his breed, mop Sam, that's the six way. It's stupid little you know pneumatic thing to help you remember. Right. But my favorite one in MopSam is the A, and that's you ask a question. So Bob, we'll say Bob is the executive, said, you know how women drive. Uh, someone, and, and could have said, and actually this is what happened, say, Bob, what did you mean by that statement? So what you're doing, and, and it's not, Bob, what did you mean by that statement? You right, know, it's right. tone and everything. So, but what it does is two things. And one, it snaps Bob out of uh, his most likely operating under that unconsciousness, you know, with his bias against women drivers. So it snaps Bob out of that typically. Two, it also sends a massive message that this is not how I roll as a leader. I want to create an inclusive space. That's not doing it. And so you know, the, each of the six strategies have their pros and cons. They're very contextual. Yep. Um, but but that's my go-to one. Yep. So any of us who are in those situations can say, wait, I'm sorry, Jill, what did you mean by that statement? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just let it sit. And, and, and I so- think what I love about what you just said is that my, when you at so when that happened, I had a question myself of what mm-hmm. I would say back. And my first thought was, no, Bob, how do women drive? Which is antagonistic, right? Yep. Because I'm fiery that you're taking a swing at women, right? Yep, 100%. Your way of not, getting him to give detail, but instead asking him to, what did you mean by that? 
is a completely different question because it's not antagonistic. Yeah. And I love that difference. As long as you watch your tone. And that's the, that's the challenging part about any of these situations. If you're, in the group that's being disparaged, it, your emotions can get real high, real yeah. fast. Of course they can. Yeah. So having these six in your back pocket is great. And what what happened in the real story is I was about to say something. Lori kicks me, wait. And the reason she said that is because we had done an inclusive change project with them. We were helping them change their culture. And she's like, and afterwards, she's like, that was like the most perfect litmus test to see if it's stuck. And I'm like, you are so right. And it did because there's a gentleman who wasn't even sitting at the table. He was kind of away from it. Uh, fairly new to the project, fairly new to the company. All he did was fold his arms. He went, damn, which is also one of the six <laughs> strategies saying a nod word. That's, a that's, that's the clinical version of damn. <laughs> right, right. And, but it was so brilliant because, I mean, no, it didn't directly address Bob's stupid statement, but it made it completely know that this young gentleman was not on board with that comment. Right. And, then actually, and it didn't oh, shame Bob to make him you know, come back harder at any right, right. So all have their value, but I think you know having something like that helps us kind of keep the speak up piece of it. And then act out is really being your own Jane Goodall anthropologist within your business and looking for the different ways that you can build inclusivity into the work that you do. Little things like my pronouns in my email signature. Why that that not only normalizes the concept of pronoun usage and, and getting them correctly, but it also sends a massive signal that hey, Steve's a safe space for our trans and non-binary friends and, and other members of the LGBTQ community. Um, but even things like I was working with a client partner uh, and I got a call from the, the head of HR for them. I mean, we, we were done our project, but we still kind of kept in touch. And she's like, I wanted to tell you something. I'm like what? <clears throat> Excuse me. She said, um, we changed our bereavement policy to include non-human family members. And I thought that was beautiful because talk about act out, you know, did that create massive change and would that impact every employee? Maybe, maybe not. But for those of us, I don't have human children in this life. I only have canine children. And, but that, that, made, that made me feel seen as, yeah. as a, a canine parent. And like, you know, when I lost my, my, my canine daughter, I mean, I was devastated. And to, just to think through that that business was smart enough to say, you know what, Families are all different types. We're going to honor that difference by having bereavement for non-human family members. I'm like, French kiss, beautiful. Beautiful, well done. beautiful. Love Think that. Think and speak up that. back down. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is the type of episode where I feel like people are going to now need to rewind and get out either their notes app or pen and paper and start <laughs> writing these parts down because you're making really helpful points. Again, that like... It's about actionable steps. It's about what you can do today. Um, so I think that takes us into what we were discussing more at the top of the show around pride leadership and mm -hmm. giving more understanding to people of like what that is. And then again, how do I show up one as a leader and how do I also show up as an ally? Yeah, it's, it's, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so 2018, I was at a conference, the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And I, it was my first time there. Um, and I was sitting there kind of sorting my business cards before a session. And there's a woman next to me doing the exact same thing. She's like, hi, what do you do? I'm like, consulting, blah, blah, blah. How about you? She's like, I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know, there's a leadership book in my head. I've been doing this way too long. It needs to come out. So let's get that book out. And so started working with uh, Jen Grace, uh, actually in the New York area, you may know her, um, Publisher Purpose Press. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Just had a meeting with her yesterday for the next book that's in, in New York. <laughs> 
Um, but, uh, you know, we started working with Jen and her team and I was just writing kind of a quote unquote generic leadership book. And, and that was with the same six competencies we talked about earlier, authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture. But being in this space for about 30 years, you see those patterns as I shared. And then it, Jill, did you ever watch sex in the city? The original one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in the city. I mean, yeah. I mean, every <laughs> Sunday night, we gather yes. at a friend's house on watch, gather around HBO. Absolutely. So you remember when Carrie Bradshaw would open up her little MacBook and she'd do the, I couldn't help but wonder. That was always, yeah, right. always the kind of theme. The so yeah. I, I was starting to get stuff together for my generic leadership book. And then the little Carrie Bradshaw, I couldn't help but wonder, is there something to the LGBTQ plus, I say plus, not plus, uh, of, or, or queer experience that lends itself to look at these six competencies maybe differently, or, or as I like to say, through the rainbow lens. And that's kind of where I shifted from uh, the generic leadership book to uh, what ended up being pride leadership, strategies for the LGBTQ plus leader to be the king or queen of their jungle. Because I, I would argue that, yes, while authenticity for every person is needed if you want to be an effective leader, let's now say I'm, I'm uh, an out gay man at work. I'm a trans person being my authentic self in the workplace. That's power. That's courageous. So now we talk about courage again. And so what I talk about in Pride Leadership is how you channel that to be even more effective as a leader because you're already doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee pretty much everyone listening is doing some of this in some way, shape or form. Great. Channel that and to be even more effective of a leader than maybe you already are. And how might they do that? There's a lot of different ways. And so just like anything, it takes practice and, and focus. And so let's talk about authenticity. You know, uh, 40 per, about 40% of LGBTQ plus Americans are not out at work as of like two years ago, I think is the latest stats. That's still a lot. That's so a lot. Yeah. getting back to our conversation about creating inclusive spaces, uh, uh, think in, speak up, act out, that's what we all can do to create that space so that person feels comfortable to share their authentic self. Uh, but that's that's kind of you know, one of the things. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, if, if you're not at a workplace that doesn't honor your authenticity, have a think about that. You know, this is a this is an employee's market now. Mm. And if you aren't feeling valued, that you can bring your authentic self, that you feel that sense of belonging in the workplace, maybe have a have a conversation with yourself or that BFF significant other, whoever, about is it now time to maybe look for another organization that will value who you are and your authenticity and what you bring to the table? So, yeah, I mean, again, really, really good, helpful tips that people can start to start to think differently. Um, tell people how you bring this into, I mean, you've been working with fortune 500 companies and bringing this in there. How are companies using it? All right. Yeah. Beautiful slide. <laughs> and why I want why I want to talk about that is again, our listeners might be hearing this and saying, yeah, but my company's not going to do this. My company's not going to, but then when they start seeing names like Disney, AT&T, Accenture, yeah. Merck, Bayer, right. I'm just Bill and Melinda Gates. I'm reading behind your shoulder yeah. <laughs> of all these different universal studios, KPMG, all of these top fortune 500 companies that are bringing in, you know, inclusive leadership with like yourself, right? How are they bringing you in? How does this get approved into the budget? Who yeah. are you, who do they need to talk to? Is it HR? Is it learning and development? Like, again, I know I just lay it on a lot of questions, but <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so it obviously depends on the company, depends on the structure. Um, typically, how we engage with organizations is through one of three channels. The first might be generic HR. Um, so, you know, someone in HR says, you know what, we really need to cultivate the leadership skills and the inclusive leadership skills within our workplace. So that could be one channel. Another could be the learning and development folks. And sometimes it's even more specialized. It's the leadership learning and development folks, depending on the size of the company or the organization. So those are the folks that are like, hey, we're in charge of making sure people keep growing and learning things. Steve, you and Top Dog have some cool stuff off the shelf. What can we do? And then the, the other area we tend to kind of channel into is someone who's head of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or mm. whatever is the right title within the respective business. Um, what you're seeing in smart organizations is that function is outside of HR. Not that I don't like HR, but if you're doing it right, that's a strategic business advantage. And so it really should be on par with that C-suite or d- direct line or, or dotted line to the CEO or chief executive officer or whoever that is. Um, but so depending on the structure, those are really the three channels on the folks we work with. And um, sometimes we even indirectly work through employee resource groups who then oh, follow yeah, it up yeah. the food chain who, yeah. who are like, oh, we heard the gay leadership dude and he can do some cool stuff. And you know, he's talking about inclusive leadership through the queer lens and blah, blah, blah. So um, lots of different ways. But I think if you're sitting in a big organization, find out who are those gatekeepers for programming and see, you know, you might already have cool stuff that you don't even know about. Um, so checking with them might be a good or way. Or a budget ear marked for mm, yep. opportunities to bring people like yourself in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. I love this. All right. So this episode, we have gone through the six competencies that we need. <laughs> right. We have gone through inclusive re- uh, leadership, the three steps that we all need to be doing. We've also talked about how we could potentially bring in someone like yourself into an organization. And if you're an employee or a leader, who you might talk to. So tell them where they can find you. Again, I will put the details yeah. in the show notes. But tell them where they can find you. And again, sorry, double question. Um, talk about the book that's coming out next. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the easiest way to find out about me and my my friends, my top doggers is uh, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z. Um, you can get free training stuff. We'll put up one of the links to the Mopsam training. We call them learning tapas at my business just because they're little bite-sized nuggets of fun. Um, so topdoglearning.biz. And uh, the next book that's coming out. So it's we do have the, the mock-up already. So if you're watching, you can get to see the cover. I At least it. almost done. We have a couple of tweaks. But it's called Your Queer Career, Workplace Advice from the Gay Leadership Dude. And I like to say that um, Pride Leadership was like, here's how you do uh, you, you know, the, the steps to be more authentic and courageous and better communication, all that stuff. It's kind of like the, 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 the uh, cookbook where... Your queer career is actually applying some of those. And it's just mm-hmm. real questions I've been getting from folks over the years. You know, like, dear gay leadership dude, I think my boss is homophobic. What should I do? And so in 1,200 words or less, I answer that question. And so it's a way, it, it's kind of like Dear Abby, but queer and through business lens. Right. So, um, but it, it's been really, really exciting. Like I said, we're, we're in the editing process as well. And I've actually been writing it in like syndicated columns and some things in magazines and things. So we're just kind of pulling all those strings together, making sure it's still contemporary for the current hybrid weird mar- uh, workplace. Uh, but your queer career uh, is hitting bookshelves, hopefully either by the end of this year or early 2024. Early. Okay. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for talking. Thank you for dropping wisdom so that everyone has an opportunity to create an inclusive workspace. I mean, it's really needed and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. No, thank you. And thank you, Jill, for for having this podcast. I know as we talked before we started recording, they are not easy to do and, and keeping them 
interesting and engaged. And I listened to a bunch of yours, by the way, in a good way. Um, so well done. And I'm creating this space, I think, is, is just as important. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh Podcast. If you're enjoying this and you want more information, go to my website, jillgriffincoaching.com. There you can find information on how to work with me one-on-one or my group programs, or even bring me into your workplace. I'll put the link to my website in the show notes. But hey, listen, before you go, do me a favor, rate and review this podcast because it definitely helps me get the word out to people everywhere so that they can also thrive in the workplace. All right, friends, I appreciate you. I'll see you soon.